Hi, welcome to Totem Talks. I'm Helen Fruin, and today is the next in our series on difficult conversations, the interviews that I'm doing as part of my very interesting journey in writing a book on how to have more of the conversations that we tend to avoid and we really need to be facing into, that need for us to be more honest and do better listening in our conversations as well. And I didn't want to just write my book according, you know, the world according to Helen. This is what I think we should do. There's something really powerful for me about hearing other people's perspectives on this. And I'm particularly excited today to be interviewing Charlotte Speak, who has got such a wealth of experience that she brings as a corporate professional, as a parent, uh, and now as somebody who helps other parents in the workplace as well. So thanks so much, Charlotte, for being here today. Thank you for having me. So tell us about you, Charlotte. Who are you? What do you do? How have you come to be here on this? So my business is called Power of the Parent and I set up in 2018 after a, just over a 12-year corporate career um, where I was working in HR, so learning and development and talent management in particular. And it came about because when I returned to work, having had my eldest daughter, who is now six, I felt this wave of, oh my goodness, are all these things true that people are saying <laughs> about parents in the workplace? Like, am I really not going to have a career anymore? And mm. um, and it was it was a confusing time and also a time of like crystal clear clarity as well. It was really strange. Um, but for me, I have always wanted to, since then, I have always wanted to work in the arena of generating the conversation around the power of having parents on your side when you are an employer. So helping them bring their whole selves to work, to engage with their strengths and to help that engagement soar and bring back all those unique things that they have in their armour once they have become a parent. Um, because I think we're, you know, we're going from a deficit model. So this isn't about saying that um, you know, parents are better than people that don't have children, for me anyway. But it's very much about how do we help them have their, their voice and their conversation at the table. So Amazing. I work with individuals as a coach who largely are returning to work, but sometimes they're a little bit further down the, um, the path of parenting and having a career. And I work with companies who will bring me in to run workshops, both for parents and also for line managers. Great. And I had the privilege of this week seeing you in action so I can <laughs> share with the rest of the world that Charlotte is amazing at this. You've got such a gift for uh, you know, sharing the, the tips, the ideas, the, the constructs that can help parents in the workplace think about making the most of their strengths and making this all work for them, this, this whole new challenge of life. Uh, it's such a gift of, of sharing those things and also then bringing a huge amount of humility into where this is challenging, what it's felt like for you as a mother. Uh, it was really amazing to see you in action. So uh, it's, it's even better than just hearing it in concept. I know what it looks like in practice. Thank you so much. That's really kind. Brilliant. So let's dive in to our three conversations or three questions for today. And the first one is the big scary one. It's the uh, conversation that you could have avoided. Maybe you had already avoided it for a while. But now when you look back, you are so pleased that you faced into that scary conversation. What is that for you? So mine is, so back 
at the end of 2015 in in the December I I had a miscarriage in between this is between the my two girls mm. um so my eldest daughter at the time was she must have been coming up to about 18 months and we wanted to have another child and unfortunately um it didn't happen that second time around mm. um and I was hit by an absolute ton of bricks in so many ways it's it's it is a traumatic experience but I completely buried what had happened so I Mm. work I had to let my boss know because I had to have an operation because I I thought a miscarriage was something very straightforward horrific but straightforward and actually Mm -hmm. it turned out for me it wasn't at all it needed some um medical intervention um and I buried then a lot of how I was feeling I thought I had to feel grateful for already having a child and Mm. um I didn't want to I I didn't want to kind of overly share it in work either because a bit of me felt like I had failed and um and a part of me I I then thought everybody's going to be on high alert for oh she's wanting another baby like what's that going to mean for my career and and some of those things are were in my head and some of those things were a reality Mm. um fast forward about six weeks after it had happened um we had a week holiday and we went down to Cornwall for the week and I just did not feel myself at all I felt like I wasn't talking to my husband that I was just like in this fog that I Mm. that's the only way I can describe it and when I went back to work the following week, I had a conversation with my boss, which she's one of, she is still one of the best people I've ever worked for. And she kind of definitely knew me better than I knew myself. And she took me to one side straight away and was like, you know, you you don't look and sound yourself at the moment. And she knew what had happened. So she was saying it in the context that she knew what I was, I was going through. Um, but she said, you know, it's, it, it, you, you, re- you really don't look good. You don't look well and you mm. certainly don't sound well. And I think at that point, I, I, I could have done what I had been doing, which was to ignore how I was feeling. And, and I didn't. I sat, well, first of all, I sat and cried and couldn't talk. And I still remember it quite vividly. And, and Claire, my boss, just she just sat there and she just let me do it. And she was like, I'm going to go and get you a drink, but I just want you to take whatever time you need. Um, and, and I eventually was able to get out how I was feeling, kind of. I, I, I still didn't articulate it. Looking back, I still didn't articulate everything. Mm. Um, but it was a really big conversation because... At that point, I was sort of saying, I don't really know what I'm meant to do. I I felt like I was going into a conversation having absolutely no clue what the outcome was, Um, which is, you know, often the case with big conversations. But in this instance, it felt it felt very, very personal and something Mm -hmm. that was it wasn't it was impacting the workplace for me, but it wasn't driven out of the workplace. So where it led to was um Claire actually got me access to some um CBT counseling and it completely transformed the way that I was thinking um I was actually diagnosed with PTSD which mm. I didn't have any association with for something like I had been through but I had the most wonderful counselor and 
like I'd been struggling to drive anywhere near the hospital where I'd had the operation. Mm-hmm. Um, so she picked up on so many brilliant things. So I suppose it was kind of two big conversations in the end. Um, it started with the conversation at work that I could have walked away from and I could have said to Claire, you know, I just need to get through this and, and, it, and I'll be okay because I had been saying that and I had been saying, like pushing it down in a way. But in saying, actually, I'm really struggling and I think I do need some help. I'm not sure what that help is, but this mm. is how I'm uh, how I'm feeling. Um, I then was able to to continue down the route of of having somebody listen to me um, and get the actual the help and support that I needed. Uh, but uh, yeah, for me, the, the big conversation was definitely about something really still quite taboo now. So going back five years ago was was it, it was even more of a taboo subject people didn't mm-hmm. talk about that in the workplace um but i think i i would i would do it again tomorrow i w- wouldn't want to go through that again ever but i i, I wish that I had done it sooner um mm. because once i'd had that conversation as, as difficult and as an emotional as it was it completely opened up me and i was able to have a much better conversation at home as well not just mm. in the workplace Amazing. And gosh, it says so much about Claire as, as a manager to have created that space. We, we've just, um, last week our podcast was on psychological safety and it just says so much for me about how Claire created that space for you that you, even though you, you'd put it off because you're human uh, and as you say, these taboo subjects, we avoid talking about them. Being that emotional at work feels so strange, uh, but what an incredible space that, that she created to, to help you have that conversation. Amazing. Uh, And so wonderful as well to hear how that was unlocking in so many different ways for you. So it's not just, you know, that it led on to the CBT and getting some progress through the PTSD, you know, that's incredible in itself, but to then notice how it unlocked other things and and helping you have better conversations in other ways. It's just amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Because as you say, you know, as you were telling the story, so you still remember it so vividly, I'm sure there's still a lot of pain associated with those memories and for you to share those so that other people can benefit is incredible. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, thank you for that. So, okay, then let's go on to a littler conversation, perhaps something not quite so big and scary. And, And the reason I ask this question is because if we think that every honest conversation has got to be this huge big deal that could sound all a bit intimidating but sometimes as well these are just little conversations that we could be having every day what's an example of one of those for you so i think more pertinent than ever for me at the moment is with my daughters in particular my eldest Mm -hmm. who is six and very curious (laughs) Um, and i find myself having regular little conversations with a very common theme so particularly around the things that I spot in her that I'm passing on that I that haven't been that healthy so um I describe myself as a recovering perfectionist love that and (laughs) and I can see I can see some of that in her Mm. um which I'm sure has part of that has come from from me and I think having those little conversations I suppose in a way they roll up into big ones but fundamentally I don't want to make them a really big deal. I don't want it to, you know, she's six. She doesn't need to know the ins and outs of the human mind just yet. But I think talking to her about um, being true to yourself, that 
progress over perfection is a a phrase that we use in our house a lot Mm. at the moment so I think talking to her about focusing on what's important to you and making sure that you stay curious that you are inclusive of everybody they're all little conversations that they they roll up in in a really important way but I think the the reason for me that I would describe them as little is because they're short in time mm-hmm. and we never go too deep and too heavy on the on the topic and she wouldn't describe it as a big conversation or anything like that I think it's just part of us having a chat as as a mother and daughter mm. and I'm particularly interested in this because I'm not a parent and so many people I speak to who are parents who talk about you know, there's some difficulties in the family. They've got dynamics going on in the family that are not good. And I'll talk to them about, okay, well, what conversations could you be having? And and how could you broach that conversation? How could you keep doing this little bit over lots of time? Uh, And a lot of people will say, oh, you don't understand you're not a parent. And so I'm particularly interested to hear from people who are parents, who are having a go at having these more sensitive, challenging conversations. Like you say, trying to have a conversation with a six-year-old about perfectionism seems like a bit of a challenge. And yet you're doing it in a way that's... uh, little conversations and often uh, and, and I guess maybe that starts to lead into the the third part of, of this where I ask you what tips you have for people about having conversations uh, but I wonder particularly on the parenting side if, if that's something different for you about what advice you would have for parents about having conversations with your children. I think um, I mean I'm I'm definitely not um, a, a perfectionist when it comes to this so I I know lots of people have their own way of doing it Mm. but certainly what's worked for me is doing it in a responsive way so not not reacting Mm. um and sort of taking your time but also not putting it off so doing it in the moment with a child is what for me anyway what I've experienced resonates more because you can't they won't remember a conversation that you had last week I struggle to get out of what she's done in the school day so (laughs) I think that the more you can you can do it at the time the better because then you don't misremember and they uh, they will know what it is that you're talking about it's got to be contextual for them I think Mm. um and that definitely works for us so and it's just so much more meaningful, which I suppose is a, is something that you would do, or you ideally you would do, and make it timely um, for an adult anyway. But I think for for a child, their their world is so small um, that you you can't let it drag on for too long, and and keeping it as simple as you possibly can. Like a lot of this stuff is not complex, mm. but we can sometimes overthink it. And I think the more you try and be in the moment with it, the less overthinking you can do. And right. in the grand scheme of things, you're really not going to mess them up that much. That you, there are there are some parents out there that are, you know, having catastrophic impacts on their kids, but it's not because they're facing into little conversations with them. Mm. Love that, thank you. And that whole piece about, uh, as you say, this is similar to having conversations with adults, but just even more about doing it right there in the moment, as opposed to even an hour later. Uh, it's perhaps mm. just um, even stronger that point about keeping it timely. Fantastic. Thank you. So so let's come to the the broader piece about what advice would you give or what have you learned yourself about how to have these general conversations, difficult conversations across any context? So one for me that really sticks out is about letting the person you're having the conversation with know that you're not going to interrupt them. So I'm saying this as a as the listener. 
um, because I think some of the big conversations you to know that you've got somebody's unadulterated attention and that they are purely listening to what you're saying and they will respond if you need it Mm. but but knowing that you're having the headspace I think is so important and if I think about about the conversations I've had particularly the one with Claire um I knowing that she was just there to listen so being the person that is doing the talking is so powerful that you know you can go at your own pace that it's okay to take a breath or if it's particularly emotional to have that cry Mm -hmm. it's it's all okay um so I think, yeah, definitely knowing that there aren't going to be interruptions. So I think sometimes picking the place, you don't always get a choice, but I think the environment is is, is quite important mm. for that. Um, I think the other tip as well is it's okay to be clear about your needs in that conversation. So if you're the one leading the conversation, you know, I've, I've definitely said to people before, I... I need your advice with this or I just need you to listen and, and not say anything and, and just let me bounce something off you or please can you play the role of coach here mm. because I want to get to my own outcome but I need somebody to help somebody else to ask me those questions um I th- yeah I think that's really important and, and not to shy away from being clear on what your needs are um and also the the final one for me would be that it's okay to take your time that not everything has to be done and dusted within one conversation Um, and some conversations particularly in the workplace that I've had they're not done in a 20 minute thing they are longer and and they need that space they need to be given time to 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 breathe and to go (laughs) over and and I suppose that's a little bit the same with the conversations that I have with the girls that it's lots of little conversations are just as powerful as one big one that Mm. sometimes you need a break from like when they are emotional conversations it's okay to say I need to stop and and come back to this because I'm not in the right headspace anymore or whatever whatever that looks like for you so I think I think that's really important as well definitely thank you there's so much richness in there Uh, and it's interesting about that piece of giving people time but also recognizing that it's not all going to happen in one conversation that's certainly a theme I notice that comes up is that you know to think that I'll just have this one conversation and everything will be fixed (laughs) is ridiculous Uh, and I wonder if if we didn't expect that would that help take some of the pressure off these conversations so instead of me thinking oh I've got to go have this really scary conversation with Charlotte and I'm hoping that as a result of this the whole world is going to be resolved uh, actually to say this is the start this is my first step I wonder if that would help take some pressure off but maybe we can try it out (laughs) yeah I I think there'd be huge value in that for people because I think just it's the expectation that you sometimes have on Mm. yourself isn't it I've I've got a I've got a half an hour meeting and we've got to get everything done. When you put yourself under that time pressure, yeah. I know there's a there, there is a time and a place for time pressure, mm-hmm. but equally there's a lot to be said for letting people have some headspace and do some quality thinking, isn't there? Mm, definitely. Brilliant. Charlotte, thank you so much again for uh, sharing those more emotional experiences uh, and also sharing your experiences as a parent. And uh, as I said before about having the privilege of seeing Charlotte in action, uh, aside from talking about parenting, I'm really the 
want to be clear that where Charlotte added so much value when I saw her in action this week, it's not about parenting, it's about working out how to be a working parent, having great conversations with your manager, having great conversations with everyone around you in terms of how you want to make that workplace work for you. And so if your business or your team is looking at that and looking at supporting working parents, I cannot recommend enough. Have a conversation with Charlotte. We'll put links below to her website, find her Charlotte Speak on LinkedIn as well. So Charlotte, thank you so much for joining us today and I wish you all the best with growing the business and helping businesses to do this stuff better. Thank you so much for having me, Helen. You have been a wonderful cheerleader for me (laughs) um, and it's been a pleasure to to get to know you. I like that. I would take the role of cheerleader. (laughs) (laughs) It is yours. (laughs) Brilliant. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you again soon. Thanks. Bye-bye.